for tuning in to the Catch Podcast. Brought to you by Dark Horse Tackle. The best American small business baits you've never heard of. Stocked in a monthly box. Use promo code the Catch 5 off and save $5 off your first monthly subscription to the Weekend Warrior Box. Here are your hosts, Matt Souders and Brad Hicks. Everybody. Welcome back. Yeah, I don't know why my mic took that long, but I don't either. I was waiting for you to say something. I was like, oh no, I've got to do it. And I haven't done the intro in like two months. Well, I was going to say, everybody keep Matt in your thoughts and prayers. Oh, he goes man. into surgery next week. He is donating his knee to Nick Chubb. I am. I've, I've, already, I've already taken the leg off. Uh, it's in the freezer right now next to the deer from last year. Um, that was bad, dude. D- dude, it's nasty. It was. I, I like, okay, so obviously I'm not super happy that we lost the game, but we didn't lose the game because of Chubb. We lost the game because people couldn't catch the ball. But I am definitely more not, I wouldn't say heartbroken, but like, because I don't really, it's, it's a sport. So at the end of the day, I don't really care that much. But with yeah. Nick Chubb, he is league-wide known as like a guy who's super respected. Everyone likes him. He doesn't showboat. He just goes out, makes people miss tackles, and is a as a a man among men, I guess. Yeah. He's just, I mean, so it sucks it happened to him out of all people. Like I'm not wanting anybody to blow out their knee, other than some stuff me and Brad were saying to Cam. <laughs> but uh, I don't want anyone to blow out their knee or anything. But with it happening to him, it's like even worse because like that's the worst person it could have happened to because he's such a nice dude. Yeah. But it, you know, he's already had construction on this knee once, so uh, let's hope it takes again, and he'll be back next season, tearing up the. <laughs> yeah, dude, that was so nasty. <laughs> it was gross. It was gross, and it it was the same exact. It's the same. Me and Brad both said it's like, oh, it's McGahey, all over. Yep. Which he I, came back and he played said well. Yeah. But this has already happened to Chubb on the same knee, so. I mean, only time will tell. I will say I'm not super unhappy with how Ford, Jerome Ford, played last night. He played decent. And just Brad, you tagged me in today, and I called it. Kareem was already in Cleveland. He was there this morning. Uh, And that's a a no-brainer. Like, I've talked to a couple other buddies. My dad, he's a Browns fan. And he was like, oh, I don't know. I, just, I think, you know, if we got, you know, some somebody else, Kareem, he's just small. I was like, he's small, but he's a – you sign him today, he's ready to go tomorrow. Yeah. Like, obviously, I don't know his fitness or anything, but he knows the playbook. He's played in Stefanski's offense for a couple years. He can just slot right in. And, I mean, when you let Kareem go, he goes. He's a good back. Fast. I mean, everyone's uh, – he's super quick. That's the thing. He's he's quick, but our size is gone. Chubb was our – he was – he wasn't really fast, but he was quick, and he was big, and he made people miss. So – I don't know. We'll see what happens. It was a close game, though. It was fun to watch. It was it was a super fun game to watch. Uh, I also didn't know that Buffalo Wild Wings is now uh, like trash for Monday Night Football. It used to be awesome. Now it's poop. But it is what it is. But yeah, no, it it was a bad game for me to watch because we should. I mean, no offense, we should have won that game. Our dudes just like yeah. 
it the only thing in my head after the game i was going home i was like dude we need that like sticky stuff from the little giants movie when he got on stuck and he was like doing this <laughs> yeah like that's the stuff we need i was trying to find a meme of it but i couldn't but like that's i mean it was just ridiculous no one could hold on the ball we, we were sitting there watching the game and every time like Pickett threw a bad pass matt would just look at me and i'd be like i shake my head like dude, he's bad <laughs> he is bad now, he looked better than better than watson last night he wasn't throwing well either he was throwing balls 15 yards out of bounds yeah uh I mean, he had some good, like, you know, he had a rushing touchdown, and, and that's cool, but or not touchdown, but extra point. Which, whatever, but. which is why they, they didn't call a pass interference on that last play was because they said it was uncatchable. Yeah, I saw that, and, it, I mean, it was. It was uncatchable. But at the same time, they called a pass interference on a call earlier in the game where that was uncatchable on the Browns. So, But like I said last night, I'm not mad about the pass interference being missed because we lost by four points. We threw an interception on the first play of the game for a touchdown, and then we <laughs> fumbled the ball twice, and then we threw another interception. Yeah. And it, it's, it, I mean, eh, eh, eh. We'll, we'll see how it is on Sunday against Tennessee. They're not a terrible team, so that will be the test. Of course, I will be there, and since me and my dad will both be there, we will probably lose by 48 points. So, I'm excited. <laughs> well, I lost my fantasy matchup. Matt won, right? I did, yeah. I won by like a Cam, good bit, It was actually. funny watching Cam sweat bullets last night. <laughs> he still <laughs> lost. Oh man, I feel bad. If it, and he would have won if Watson hadn't thrown the interception and had a good game, he would have been fine. But Nick, Nick, Nick won. He beat me this week, so he's two zero. So, well, I play Cody this week, this coming week, and our predictions are fifty fifty right down the middle. Yeah, we'll see. It's- there we go. But a uh, couple things before we start. We got Dark Horse Tackle October box next month. Bates picked by me and Matt here. Um, you can sign up until October 8th. We found yep, out you, the date. So. Yeah, you have till the 8th to uh, to sign up. I would definitely get signed up for that because it's going to be a dope box. I mean, all these baits, like Brad said, we picked them out. I mean, they're they're good baits. Yeah, I can't wait. Yep. Um, what else do we have? Oh, we got a review. That's what it was. Oh, did we? All right, let's go. Yep. One more review. Uh, I updated my phone a little bit ago too, so it's like continue, continue. All right, here it is. This is from Kingpin Fishing, Smallmouth Junkie Heaven. He said, "Being a fellow Smallmouth River Junkie from Southwest PA, the content here is exceptional. I've binged most of the episodes and truly." enjoyed enjoying another way to waste time at work educational and entertaining even if one of them is a browns fan keep up the great content (laughs) (laughs) uh everyone hates me it's okay i don't care (laughs) well there you go it sounds like he's a steelers fan so southwest pa i mean he he probably is um but it's all right yeah. It's all right. You guys beat us. We usually, like you said yesterday, we usually split the season. So uh, I'll take it and we'll, there's no way we're going to go undefeated. So, you know, we have to lose a game <laughs> and it's not possible. As long I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm still, as long as we stay a little bit above 500, I don't want like a nine and eight. I would like, like a, I don't know, respectable season. 12 and 12 and six or 12, 12 and, and five, 12 and five. I'm fine with 12 and five. I really yeah. am. <laughs> Like I'm fine. I'm fine with 12 and five. Cause then all that means is next year, we're going to be even better. If we somehow finish 12 and five without Chubb this season, next year, we're going undefeated. 
We're gonna win the Super Bowl, and but it's just, I mean, I'm, it's just, it's possible. If we go twelve and five this year without Chubb, it's possible. I'm just saying. Yeah. It is. Well, uh, that's all we got, man, for the intro yep. stuff. So we can get into the actual show. I'm pumped for this one. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm always pumped when we have so, so uh, we're bringing we're bringing on Jeff Little. We're gonna be talking about how to read a river. We're gonna talk about a little bit about like the stuff from what you need to know from beginners to like expert kind of stuff. So, yep. Um, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey guys. What's going on? Uh, so this is a whole brand new show, not on paddle and fin anymore. So we got probably a wide list of a wide range of new listeners. So you want to give a background of who you are and where you're from? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I, I grew up in the DC area and once I figured out that I could ride my steal my brother's uh, 10 speed and get to the upper Potomac River with a tackle box in one hand and a fishing rod in the other, I started figuring out river smallmouth um, and, and catfish. Did a lot of catfishing growing up. But, um, <laughs> you know, I when I could get a boat to the river, it was my parents' um, 17-foot aluminum grumman that I'd put on the, the roof, you know, upside down on the roof of the 71 Chevelle and uh, eventually <laughs> got a pickup truck, which was easier. But some some spring, you know, day when I was uh, actually, I'm a University of Maryland grad, um, but I would, I would go back home and go fishing and I'd use that aluminum just tank of a canoe and sit in the back seat facing forward and uh and just solo it but it was it was one you know mid-march day that i i could not do anything with the amount of wind like mm. i couldn't i couldn't hey i'd put in in the the cno canal paddle up and then float back down i couldn't float down like i couldn't fish i just had to just not fish and just paddle down i was so mm -hmm. frustrated and i was just yeah. thinking oh there's got to be a better way in i thought about it in later that spring i had um i did a float trip with a bunch of buddies and camping on islands and soaking chicken livers and drinking beer and just we we take a three-day weekend and just spend it on the potomac and one of yeah. them one of them you know was a buddy who was in a um perception pirouette which is a an old school creek boat, white water boat with a skirt. And, you know, I was catching them in the canoe, just throwing, uh, you know, throwing top water poppers and such. And I have all my rods laid out on the canoe. And I'm just like, Mark, here. And he's like, I don't even catch them. I'm like, no, they're eating. Just do this. And Mark was the first person I saw fish out of a kayak. And I thrust it upon him, not even thinking about it. And I watched him. He's catching him and they're making him spin around as he's he's in this little white water boat. Mm -hmm. And I'm and I put the rod down. I'm looking at him like, ah, that's it. That's it. That's the wind. Like that's maybe not that boat because he's spinning around. I need a kayak. And by spring of 98, I had an old town loon 138 and classic flipped yeah. it 
uh, analog jam strainer popped up. Uh, wore glasses back then. Lost the glasses. Lost camera. Lost a bunch of tackle and a bunch of you know um, <laughs> a lot of body temperature. <laughs> it, yeah. it popped up and I said, I. I need an education. And I went, you know, I went full in on the whole whitewater end of things with the purpose of, of fishing, you know, getting, getting solid with that boat, with a, with a kayak, um, not for the sake of, of whitewater, which was big back then, uh, took swift water rescue classes and whitewater classes and eventually earned ACA instructor certification and started teaching people how to fish out of a kayak using ACA's um, their curriculum and my certification with them and, and their liability insurance because you certify under them you can just get dirt cheap liability insurance mm -hmm. and uh, that's coming around again mm -hmm. by the way like I've been working with ACA and they've they've come full circle um, I was just the first one to do it to certify with the purpose of fishing out of a kayak I and I guided slash taught the class for 10 years Juan Verut picked up that idea towards the end of my doing it and mm -hmm. I hung it up and he did a lot more with it um but I don't know like I've been fishing river smallmouth a long time and in fished out of a kayak for three years before I knew anyone else that did it so learned a lot taught a lot still learning stuff and mm -hmm. uh it's fun to see all this this evolution of of you know what we do in these plastic and now inflatable kayaks um, yeah to catch the catch these river smallmouth um so that's I, I, there's a lot more but that was my beginnings and you know the the experience that i've had along the way is has been pretty diverse um in terms of different kinds of rivers uh, in recent years, because I work for Torquedo, uh, my job is to sell Torquedo ultralight motors that go in the back. And like last week, I was up in Connecticut uh, working on, I want to say teaching and install because it's Ted Douglas and he worked at Three Bells and he knows, he already knows how to do it. He, he switched to mm -hmm. a different dealership there. We did an old town, um, Big Water 132, and I filmed it. Like I'm still working on that edit. Um, but because of that job, I've I've kayak fished much more of North America. Um I've I drove last year down into Monterey, Mexico and fished <laughs> Lake Cuchillo with the guys from Iron Kayaker and did, you know, taught oh, them how cool. to do the install. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's awesome. I wouldn't recommend it though. Um, <laughs> just the what? driving into yeah just fly like in, in oh yeah call up jerry and be like i want to come do it and he will like cool i'll set everything up um but driving in was uh it was stupid um, <laughs> it just was like the state department yeah advisory said it's stupid uh, a friend that i know worked the border said don't do it but it sounds like you're gonna do it and here's what you need to know <laughs> uh, but I've but I've caught river smallmouth all kinds of other places in North America, up in Canada, and I got one on the way back from Connecticut. Just looking over, like I'm driving back, and I'm like, "Ooh, 
that rig was really moving and it was a hydroelectric dam release and it was mm. moving and it was clear water and i'm like i gotta throw a jackhammer at that for a few minutes and like right away got one <laughs> that's awesome um, <laughs> oklahoma and tennessee and so much uh, all the way up and down appalachia you know the ozark streams and um I, you know i love running up and down i-81 in particular because it mm -hmm. 81 between thousand islands you know all the way down to knoxville crosses so many amazing yep. you know river smallmouth fisheries i mean you have a lot in east tennessee but you get into southwest virginia and the north fork holston and then the new and then the james and then the shenandoah and you keep moving it's the potomac and all those tributaries and goes along the susquehanna and in you know you just there's there's just so many amazing fisheries all along that mm -hmm. that spine of mountains running up the east coast and uh you know anyways that's uh mostly most of the videos though that i produced recently uh are are susquehanna you know south mm -hmm. yeah. the the center part of um the south and center part of pennsylvania where you know, Sealands Grove all the way down to the Maryland line. So. so that kind of brings up an interesting question from your experience of being to all these rivers and uh, fishing for smallmouth. How, how exactly do they set up? Do, are they all similar in how they fish or are they all just completely different? No. Um, the longest um longest smallmouth i caught was 22 and a half inches that was on the rappahannock um that river is a piedmont river uh central slash northern virginia um it's it it's a very sandy bottomed river and that sand mm. shifts around there are ledges and there's a wood figures prominently there um mm -hmm. Good oh, wow. luck finding a sandbar in the Susquehanna. You take someone who's really good at fishing the, the the James or the Shenandoah, and you put them on the Rappahannock, and they're lost. Huh? On the Rappahannock, it's you know you you have to find something I refer to as perma wood. In other words, permanent wood, mm -hmm. a big tree that's fallen in that is become molded into the side of that bank, and that yeah. that, that four foot diameter trunk sticks out into the you know, this 12 foot deep hole and that's where the biggest fish is. Um, you know, there are fisheries like the North Anna, which is the next watershed down that is totally, it's, it's got a lot of ledgy stuff. It's still um, above the fall line rapid is still um, a rocky bottom, but it's got a lot of grass in, in, it's funny on the Rappahannock, which is the next one up, you can catch these these smallmouth sitting on a sandbar and they are just uh mustard yellow. Yeah, oh, that's weird. And then you, and then you go down <laughs> yeah. to the, the North Anna and they're mossy green. You go up on the you know, you go to the Susquehanna, they're they're Hershey chocolate bar brown, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're just <clears throat> they're chameleons. They they change their color based on, you know the the environment they're in they're mm -hmm. like uh 
the um the movie the predator like arnold yeah. schwarzenegger when he's looking up in the trees and like when it stops moving he's like where'd it go that's a small mouth and then it yeah. starts moving you're like oh now i see you yep. um, they change their color based on where they are but um <clears throat> there are rivers that are their behavior is is uh in where they set up um and their feeding behavior is is very much linked to um dam releases that's the new river is a good example of that when they release water out of clater that that um <clears throat> virginia and even into west virginia with with bluestone when there's hydroelectric generation there's a slug of water coming down and mm -hmm. it stirs everything up and those fish move to those aggressive um turbulent areas where they can just pick off all of the stirred up food um you know so structurally they're 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 pretty diverse mm -hmm. um when you look at piedmont versus true you know mountain um uh, mountain watersheds and and i'd throw like um, I did a good bit of fishing in, in, uh, in parts of Tennessee a little before and a little after the KBF national championship. Um, the, the rivers that flow into, um, Kentucky Lake, but even, uh, some that weren't connected. I think I did a couple trips on the Harpeth, uh, near, near Nashville and said unseen, just, all right, let's pick a spot and go. I, I know there's smallmouth in here. Let's uh, drive somewhere where we we find a spot on Google Maps. Look at Onyx. I use the the Onyx mm -hmm. app to figure out, hey, mm -hmm. am I am I trespassing here or is this legal access? Um, and just put in and use the motor and and go upstream, drag upstream, and float back down. Do that that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> but I think it's it's useful to divide smallmouth rivers into um, small which just includes creek fishing mm -hmm. um mid-sized rivers and then big rivers like and and i'd i'd lump in the james the potomac and for sure you know the uh um the susquehanna even even the allegheny um you know those are those are those are pretty sizable rivers um mm -hmm. Now the Allegheny before it goes up into New York State and then comes back down. When it comes back down, it becomes Kinswa, and then below that dam, it's it's a bigger river, right? Mm -hmm. uh, before it in the true headwaters of the Allegheny, that's a small smallmouth river. And uh, how you divide that up and how you approach fishing a a river and decide how you're doing it. Like I I do a lot of single point access trips on the Susquehanna because it's so big because you can put in somewhere in like motor up or even paddle around and, and there's there's I'm, I'm going to jump ahead to some of these um so <clears throat> my YouTube channel is called the little stuff and I do a lot of illustrations like to mm -hmm. to drive home the point of this is what I'm talking about you may have not seen it when i i had the camera and i was i was trying to show you here maybe you couldn't see what was going on underneath the water surface so i do these illustrations to show you um 
I'm going to jump to this one and I can't remember exactly what, um, what I was trying to teach here, but this is the Susquehanna in, in, with a single point access, this, this area, um, is three quarters to a mile wide. And when you have a single point access in all of these, you know, you basically have the mountains that the river crosses and it causes all these ledges, which are just full of places for these, these fish to uh, live in and eat in. And, you know, we'll get into more of that. Um, the bigger river, you can, you can use those single point access, even, even if you're just paddling, um, mm -hmm. you know, for sure the the motor is an advantage <laughs> i've covered i know earlier this year i covered uh, a day where i covered i think it was 21.6 miles up and back and, and i and i was <laughs> done before 4 p.m so wow um <clears throat> so but you can't do that on small rivers yeah so you have to either do float trips or and and when you do a float trip on a um on a on a creek or small river um you're basically looking for individual ponds that have fish that are connected with these little ribbons of of too skinny to to float through sometimes water mm -hmm. too skinny to um you know to even bother fishing because they're 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 not uh, they're, they're unconnected water connected water is a term i use when it, it basically i don't know if, if i have a illustration for that but i i do have a video on connected versus isolated water yeah so, that's the one i was talking about yeah before we started yeah. that was a good video that one took me forever to figure out um so <clears throat> let me make it simple if i can connected water is summertime fairly low water if you can paddle around in a you know a long length of a winding river all the way from you know from the top to the bottom uh and it's a long way before you have to hop out and drag over that's long connected water whereas if you're you know, you, you drop down a ledge and you only go that far before you have to drag over and then you go a little bit more and then there's a sandbar. Those are isolated little pockets of water. And they'll be in that in the spring. They actually spawn in that usually. Um, but summer and winter, they want to be in that connected water. And what the connected water gives them is a large hunting range. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to find your 13, 14 inches in that, in that, you know, um, that the, that broken up water, you know, the, the isolated water. But if you're looking for those bigger fish, they, they want that long uninterrupted pool where they have a lot of room to move around and a large pool to hunt and eat and support their their bodies so that's really important on those smaller flows um in i learned i must say i learned a lot of that fishing the rappahannock the upper rappahannock which is where i caught my longest which is the 22 and a half um i caught it in a pool if i went back there today i know i could um i could 
they have pretty low conditions this summer. I could walk across where that fish was caught and not get my kneecap wet today. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it was at the end of a long of a pool that was connected that went a mile and a half where I didn't have to drag. Yep. So it is connected, mm -hmm. but it's small water. And, and even when it's full in the spring, uh, the, the section I was in, uh, if I was had my kayak all the way on one bank, uh, a really long cast could hit the other bank. So yeah. that gives you an idea. Smaller yeah. water can produce giant fish because not a lot of people think uh, there's, you know, clearly this is too small to support these big fish. No, yeah. those are your overlooked waters that can produce freaks, especially if there's uh, any stocked trout <laughs> things going on in the creeks that feed into there. And then you're just like giving they're just small mouth on steroids and very small water. <laughs> Because they got all that easy food. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of smaller flows that, that have that. So it's kind of similar to what me and Matt are fishing. We, we, our river here is probably 30 to 60 yards wide. Maybe. Yeah. About to say, there's some spots that are a little wider, but they're few and far between. Yep. But it makes sense though, because Matt, you know, there's some spots that we hit where it's like, uh, a riffle and then like 30 more yards another riffle and then 60 yards another riffle we don't really catch anything in between those spots that are like anything big so say you have your your long yeah, uninterrupted connected water what are your hot spots what do you guys think where, um, where's where are you most likely to find your biggest fish in in say it's a, a mile and a half long Usually outside bends of the river that are deeper water. Yeah, I was about to say, normally in some deeper pools, things like that. Okay. Um, well, I'm thinking of one spot, and this is a spot, Brad, we just hit when last time you and me went out when I got my 20. Mm -hmm. Toward the end of that stretch, right? Well, the bridge was there, but it was still real long uninterrupted water and we like you and me caught like back to back to back to back to back fish mm -hmm. and they were all in like they were it was the bank but it wasn't the bank it was when foliage and that long interrupted water jetted out and it was dipping in the water i could flip in there and almost every single one pull out two or three fish and two or three of them were well two two were 17s and one was that 18 and a half yeah so and they I were was all actually in, I motored up from that that spot where we took out today. Oh, did you? Yeah. Again? I did do it again. Don't ruin, don't ruin the spot, Brad. <laughs> you you can you can burn them up. It happens more in winter. Yeah. If they can move out. Yeah. If they get if they get messed with too much in a spot. That's that's why if you watch my videos, um, especially on the Susquehanna. I know people watch to figure out, oh, where's the best spot? And in the tournaments come in town, people are like, oh, what's the best float? And, and like, I, I can give everyone a different answer and not be lying to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes it nice. Go, go ahead and ask. It makes it nice for having a bigger I, I, I It's it's a phenomenal fishery, but 
you know, I think everyone wants that that shortcut from the local expert. And you know, there are stretches that that if you fish history, you're it's going to burn your ass. Like it's mm -hmm. it's gonna it's you're going to be like, why aren't they here? Well, they're nomadic, and and they get beat up in a certain area and they move on. But um, let me come back to um, what I think in a in a long pool. Let's say a mile and a half of connected water on, mm -hmm. on I'm gonna say a smaller, small to medium-sized river. Mm -hmm. The the absolute best place for me to catch that I really gotta be careful. I really gotta I gotta approach it with stealth, make that long cast, is the very last tiny bit of water before it gets pinched off at the end of it okay mm -hmm. i just did a video that released sunday that talked about laminar flow and what you will have and this is usually when it gets lower but it's the last little bit of that connected water and and i catch a fish in that where i talk about it and i go into a little bit about the psychology of a tough day of fishing and positive mental attitude and visualization but but structurally, where I caught that fish was the very end of, of what was a long connected pool. And, and I show it in the video, right? Mm -hmm. um, in the video, the thumbnail is, it says laminar flow. And um, this was the illustration I did to explain it. So I'm trying to center that. So the top one here shows, I'm going to fold this over. We're going to talk about this. This is current, right? So the, the top line there, that helps. Uh, <laughs> this top line shows the surface, and then this is the bottom. Okay. And each of these little lines show the direction that the, that the, the current is moving at the top, in the middle, and along the bottom it's all moving fairly straight and they're all moving at the same speed. Mm -hmm. That's the laminar part. Okay. It's because you have a, a largely flat bottom and this is a place they go when they want to conserve energy, right? If they're mm -hmm. not actively feeding in places that you would expect them to be where there's turbulent, where there's white water, where there's, you know, the edge of a grass bed and a current seam, they can be in laminar flow and the laminar flow at the very end of a long connected pool is just gold. It just is. It's where they go to conserve energy and just do nothing. And if you put food there in front of them, they'll jam it. The opposite of that is turbulent flow. So the bottom, this, this real, you know, crazy, you know, crazy shape is, bunch of rocks on the bottom that as the current comes over, it gets, it gets pushed up and you, you come down and it kind of has a circular sort of motion as it like a little reverse eddy there. And all of this turbulence is a great place for these fish to, to ambush hunt. This is when mm -hmm. they're actively feeding. These are your, your big ledges, you know, uh, these are your, your grass beds, you know, you the, the, the edges of the grass beds, anywhere there, there's a current seam and turbulent flow. 
when I filmed the video that, that you know, that Laminar Flow was about, that whole morning I was throwing a jackhammer and crankbaits and, and some top water and threw like a shower blow at it and just trying really aggressive things in these these places that you look at and you think, yeah, that's where one's going to just be sitting there waiting saying, where is it? Yeah. yeah. They weren't doing that. They were in <laughs> Laminar Flow. They were just chilling. So the last little bit of a pool and and where i caught that fish it was barely more than ankle deep like it it, it was somewhere mid shin for me um so that's the best is is the very last of a pool in in i did some of this with the the series i did with jody queen as as he pre-fished for the hobie bass open series on on his home water the um the new river uh, he did some stuff with a whopper plopper and he was at the end of a long pool. The second most important is, is the head of the pool. Mm-hmm. When the river rises, they, they move upstream. When you have a lot of flow from rain, they move up to those ambush points where I was just showing you the, the, the turbulent flow. Mm-hmm. You can go on Google maps and find these, these ledges or, or, probably the best thing that they run up to is a dam. If I'm anywhere in the United States and I'm just like, Hey, I need, I need a shortcut. I've never been on this river before. I'm going to find a dam. I'm going to find the bridge below the dam and I'm going to motor up to the dam and catch fish. That's a good shortcut. Yeah. Because two things, people don't want to do a float trip where they, where they go have to portage around a dam. Yeah. And all the fish run up there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's such a such a shortcut, and I'm sure that so many of these kayak fishing tournaments are one at the base of a dam. So that's the head of the pool. That's that's generally the second most important. But I did a I did a video that week. I was with Jody um, on a on a fish that I caught mid pool. It wasn't the head of the tail, and really, I illustrated these two different ways. But basically. You, know, you guys are talking about a lot of deep water, um, mm-hmm. just plain deep water that that doesn't have anything more than just depth. That ain't it. Hmm. Yeah, there'll be some carp and catfish down there. The smallmouth want some sort of structure that interrupts that that depth. And this is the illustration I did at Jody Queen's house that kind of shows that. Can you go back to the full screen yeah. so I can I can read? Bam. I can see. All right, so you can see the flow, and you can see that there's some some deep areas that are six to twelve feet. But what I show here, that's a ledge that pushes up to the surface, right? Mm-hmm. The equivalent of that is is down there. So you got this. This is a side view of it. So you have the okay. bottom that comes down and it pushes up. They're on the upstream side and the downstream side. Same thing here. You know, they're immediately they're in that deep water, but right as it's pushing up, and you see this little upwelling, this disturbance on the surface, that tells you that there's something down there. Yep. And that's probably the, the best skill you can get is to, in that deep water, especially in summer, Find that little disturbance and and target it. Uh, they're on on the downstream and the upstream side of of that mid pool, usually a ledge. You know, another one here. 
that corresponds to, you know, what's up here. And that's, you know, I had, I had just caught, um, I don't know, like a 18 plus incher that we filmed that, you know, we weren't catching much and I made a long cast. I was standing up in, in my inflatable and I'm like, I see that disturbance and I actually see the, the rock and I want to just on the other side of it. Now that rock came to within four feet of the surface. So it wasn't pushing right up on it, but the backside of it was, was well over 12 feet deep. Uh, the front side of it was, was probably six to eight. And he was on the backside of that. And, yeah. you know, too many people will in a, in a pool like this, all they're going to do is is just bang this bank all the way down. Yeah, right? I'm guilty and of that. You might get lucky and catch yep. one there and catch one there, but you really need to be looking out here. In the middle. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. me I've and Brad are both. Yeah, I, we both caught fish in the middle, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just uh, uh, conditioning. But if I see the bank, and it might be from boat days, to where like I would just power the bank, power fish the bank, and just sit there, and I just never pull myself off of it. So, if you haven't watched all the the Jody Queen series I did, you gotta watch it because it isn't just my knowledge; it's his and my filming, knowing a little bit about what he's gonna do. One thing that he does especially well, especially, and you can do it on your home water. Uh, he mm -hmm. does it well on his home water. That's why he got third place out. I don't know how many people were in that. Um, as he watches where everyone that does a float trip goes, mm -hmm. he watches what they fish and he goes to places that they miss. And there's there was one in particular where he's like, yeah, most people just float right through there and they, they go right over these fish that sit right in the middle of this this. Uh, it all looks real shallow, but there's a there's a four to five foot hole in the middle of this, and there's always one or two good fish in there. And yeah. you got to hop out. <clears throat> you got to hop out and wade and cast down to it. There's no way you're going to put a cast on it and and catch a fish when the current's just pushing you through. The same yeah. thing where you look at the head of an island. <clears throat> the river splits two ways. Mm -hmm. The left way is where most of the water's going. And it looks like the place that, all right, I'm not going to run aground if I go that way. The right way, probably going to run aground. It's I'm probably going to have to drag if I go through there at some point. I, that's a pain in the butt. I'm not going to do that. That's where Jody goes. Okay. Yeah, I, I usually go the opposite way. <laughs> yep. And it's in, you know, it, it comes back to your saying, I, I yeah. Just I beat the bank. Yeah, everyone beats the bank. Yeah. Fish fish where other people think about what's the, the obvious. Now I did one. Oh, can I find this one? So this was the high water. I got a five two recently. I'm just so happy to catch a catch one that size. Jeez. Um it, it's a true. An actual one that breaks five is is pretty rare. Yeah. Uh, if you if you actually weigh them, you'll know that. Um, yep. A lot of people call it a five pounder. I have no idea. 
Yeah, I know most of the, most of the twenties on our river are probably high three, low four. Yes. Yeah. That's that's yeah. yes. I would agree with that assessment. <clears throat> I can't find the illustration, but I'll find another one and and use it as as an explanation. Um, no, I did find it. I think. Yeah, this wasn't it, but. This explains it. Um, give me full screen again. Yep. Yep. So basically, the current is I'm actually sitting here on this, like wedged on this grass bed. Uh, in the case of where the five was, um, it was an actual island. This, mm -hmm. this was actually a winter illustration from a winter trip last winter. Uh, did a lot of really good videos last. November, December. Um, by the way, you can go to, if you go to the little stuff and you look at the playlists, uh, you can look for playlists for each month. So if you know that, hey, it's, it's about to be October, let's watch some October Ooh, smallmouth videos. Good idea. Yep. That is going to tell you what's about to happen. Anyways, this was from a, a winter trip. Um, the the current is is going this way, okay? And the grass bed here, this is so weird doing this backwards. Uh, <laughs> the, the grass bed here creates this big eddy, right? And you have swift current here and swift current there. And you have a little bit of, of mixed current here and a little bit of mixed current there. But in the middle, it's dead, dead water. And I, I in this illustration, I'm calling it the leaf litter zone, right? Uh, it, it's... Usually, when you're your bottom and for for smallmouth, you want you want your jig to to be on a hard bottom, not mm -hmm. this stuff. This stuff, the carp and the catfish are okay with, but the the smallmouth want to be you want to feel at hard bottom, not a yeah. soft mucky one. Anyways, say this is this is your typical eddy, and most people don't wedge on the thing that that causes the obstruction and fish downstream. That's a good idea to do sometimes. But say most people hang out like right back in here yeah. and then they cast up here to the top. The thing that is, whether it's a ledge or grass bed or whatever, um, that's, this is the obvious, you know, you got a current seam here and a current seam here um, in, in your position right back here. Mm -hmm. Don't position here before you fish here because these fish that are that are that have been caught a bazillion times there 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 they realize yeah i get screwed with less when i live back here <laughs> you have to hang out in this in this current to the side and and cast to these little pinch offs you know the down okay. most downstream part of the the eddy where it's it's really getting getting narrower as you go this way. They sit back here more often. Now they, when it gets, you know, when the river's falling, they definitely go there. When the river's really up, yeah, the, the only place they can be is up in this stuff. Yeah. But, you know, you move further back in that, in that eddy and there's this, just this pinch off. It's still no current, still very little current as you go back. Um, but there's a hard bottom 
and the current is there and the current is there and you go a little further and then the current picks up again. Yeah. So the very end of your eddy where it trails off, it pinches off. So it's like People going back, back to, yeah, it's People, like going back to laminate, laminar flow, right? Yeah. It's, it's stuff that you, you miss. Um, mm -hmm. But it's hard to see that it isn't fast current. You know that it's not current when you pull your boat into there. You're like, oh, cool. I stopped. Yep. Yeah. Now I can fish the top of the eddy. But guess what? You've screwed up that spot. Yeah. And that spot is is where the better, a lot of the better fish I caught out of that eddy that I got the 5.2 were sitting in. The 5.2 was actually somewhere in the middle, middle of that, that long eddy at the tail of the, uh, you know, that, that island with the river coming up. And, uh, but, you know, it, it, to judge it, you have to get good at not fishing and looking at water. In, yeah. in what I illustrated here is important. I'm wedged on the grass bed. I am stopped. If you are stopped either with an anchor or wedging your boat on something, then you, your visual, you can watch these foam bubbles. It's moving. Foam bubbles are moving fast here. They're moving fast here. They're just sitting in here. So you know that still, Okay. Then you could start doing, and this was this was a different illustration from. Uh, go go full screen again, man. Um, assessing the eddy in terms of how fast the current is moving. We have two circular currents here, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in the middle, you have the split. So the the current is is moving off this bridge piling, and it's it's screaming fast along here, right? Uh, but it will kind of turn and go to the bank here and and do this circle, right? As you move back in the eddy, if you're watching the the current seam, it'll turn back in here and come along the bank and go go backwards and then come up. This split where there's there's a circle of you know eddy here and a circle there. Uh, this split where they're they're moving in opposite directions. One current is moving up and the other is moving down. They sit in that little triangle on the bank where there's two converging currents and a calm spot there. Uh, they also, you know, get just on the inside of these current seams. So they get all the way to the back. That's almost like the the taper up off of that that eddy that I was shown in the last illustration. But the way that you can understand these currents is that you got to get still you got to get your boat stopped yeah yeah and just put your rod down and look watch foam bubbles we're about to have leaves fall watch the leaves as they move across the surface watch whatever is is whatever you know little hints you get to tell what is that current doing right the other thing that you're going to do is that you're going to you're going to put a jig out there, put a net rig. I have a rig that I call better than a jig rig, which you're going to have to watch some of the videos to know why that's better. But it's still a bottom bouncer, right? 
it's still a bait that you you put on the bottom and you can feel as it's bouncing along a couple things you know the depth because you see the angle of the line leading down to it you know the substrate whether it's bouncing across and you in if it's not bouncing you know that it's pretty still water but you scrape the bottom a little bit and you can feel that that bottom substrate and know yeah. is it is it bedrock is it chunk rock is it gravel is it sand is it muck is it what is it uh so you know the bottom substrate so if you get jammed you know oh yeah they're <laughs> I just got jammed. I was on pea gravel on the, and, and it was bouncing along the bottom and then it slowed down its bounce and then it sat. So, you know, you're just on the inside of the current seam on pea gravel. Those things, those observations uh, is, is what you plug into pattern development, but you're, you're going to be better at all of that. If you get yourself stopped. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, might think, oh, it's all it's all moving really fast because they're moving really fast and they're really just dragging a jig. Well, the water they're in is fast. The water they just put it in is completely still because they feel it bouncing. They think, oh, it's moving fast there. No, you actually put it in a good place, but you did you didn't leave it in there. And yeah. uh, you know, there's a whole other discussion on on how you position your boat and, yeah uh, that's I've, what i was gonna say i've gotten i've gotten real good with the torpedo with the foot control steering of holding still that being said nothing's as as good as being stopped with uh an anchor or wedging on a on a shallow object and in mm -hmm. knowing that you are stopped and and if you're stopped and your line's moving it's a fish or it's yeah. current so wow. You know, getting yourself stopped, and it's it's critical in winter. <laughs> mm -hmm. You got to get stopped. Um, the other side of you got to get yourself stopped is it will put if you're not stopped, it will put slack in your line. Okay, yep. so uh, go full screen again. Let's see. So here I am in the kayak and. You can see my bait down there with a the fish looking at it. And you can see that I, I have an anchor off the back that's keeping me from drifting towards that fish, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas if I didn't have that anchor down, I start drifting towards that fish. And then you have the line that isn't straight. You have the line that has that, that slack in it. And if that fish jams the, the, uh, the bait that I got down there and the slack in the line, you don't feel it. Yeah. Yeah. No clue. So getting stopped and, and really doing things that, that keep you from having slack in the line is important. Um, this is another, you know, illustration that goes along with, with that one, but basically all the different things that put slack in your line, right? Current river, current wind leaves that are drifting along, you know, and the way you fix it is, you gotta you gotta keep your line straight. You can use a heavier weight, but there's some you snag more, and you the fish don't hold it as long, and so forth. Do shorter cast, and you or use lighter fishing line. Uh, that lighter fishing line comes into play quite a bit when I'm actually getting ready to do some striper fishing, and we fish in heavy current. Uh, tidal currents and sometimes 50 feet down with a one ounce jig and 
you know, we use 20 pound braid hmm. and we're catching these 40 plus inch striper. That's awesome. It's yeah, awesome. Sick. But if I were using 50 pound, you'd have too much of a bend in the line yeah. to feel it. You wouldn't oh, feel it. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause, cause that, that tidal current pushes on that line, puts a bow in the line. And yeah. makes sense. You don't, you have no idea. He's down there. No, just gumming up on your, <laughs> You miss out. So lighter line does matter. I'd I'd like to go back to the laminar flow a little bit because right. I, f I feel like that's a that's a summertime pattern in my opinion, right? Since you're getting low clear water, it's a low it's a low uh, low flow thing. It can happen. Okay, in, so it can happen. It can be a really important pattern with thirty four and a half degree water. Okay, so how it's, do you... it's where they go to not burn calories. So how do you get out and effectively fish that kind of water? I don't have any confidence in fishing something that's like 10 inches to deep, deep. Yeah, I was about to say me, me and Brad in those long, those long uh, connected waters, we'll see. I don't think we've ever fished that section because it's always low. I I'm the same way. I don't have any confidence. Like I'll throw a bait out there, but it's just cause I'm not really trying to fish this area, but I, I still haven't gotten my head to just watch the water. I just always have to be having a line in the water, it, but I'm, it, you know. it helps to come up from behind them. Okay. Coming upstream. It's it's um, I did a video last year. The, the thumbnail was called just the word selfish written on it and uh the reason for that is i almost i figured something out that was so productive in low clear water that i almost said oh, do i want to share this with the world <laughs> yeah and and it and i will tell you this much uh and i say it in the in the video if, if i if i was a tournament angler if i did tournaments on the regular i would not have shared this but I don't. And, and honestly, the fact that I don't, I think allows me to, to be all in as a teacher mm -hmm. of the sport. Uh, it, and it also, I think it also lets me film people like, like Drew and Russ and Jody and Christine and just so many other really good sticks that they know that I'm not about to show someone who's going to beat me <laughs> with what, yeah. what they just taught me. Uh, and, and I let them, and I'm, I'm like, Hey, if there's something that shouldn't be in this video, you need to let me know. And I will edit it out. And they trust me. Um, there are some of those things and uh, that don't make it to, through the edits, but um, the, the video selfish was about throwing the seven inch scented jerk shed into laminar flow areas in low clear water. It's a big bait. You can throw it a long way and the hookup percentage on that Z-Man elastic, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a seven inch fluke. It compresses well. And with a, with a three-aught, you don't anything, you don't anything bigger than a three-aught. I've actually made it work with a two-aught. Excellent hookup percentage. Excellent hookup percentage. They, they come rocketing at it in laminar flow from 30 feet away you see that reverse wake coming right at it and uh if they swirl on it 
in in fish don't miss just as soon as you figure that out you need to like you, you become a better angler they'll come up to it and be like hey hey are you real they poke at it they will give a body blow to it yeah i don't miss if they want it in their mouth it's going in their mouth uh they're curious really curious but not committed yet and and usually that tells you something about eh, i'm doing something that's not quite right but with that seven inch scent of jerk shot if they if they charge at it and swirl at it all you do is kill it and and i i do i i will add weight to the hook um i actually have the do up molds to add a little kill weight to it but you can use um i think z-man sells a one eighth ounce chin locks that, mm-hmm. that works with that bait yeah in that manner but it'll that bait when you kill it will slowly fall to the bottom it'll just descend like this mm-hmm. uh it, and when you do that then they eat it um but that is such an effective go watch selfish and and understand that 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 video and that progression explains like it goes through how i came to th- to throwing that in and really the joyful moment of figuring out oh this i've never i've never done this and this works right and i my buddy marty mood with me uh and and i'm like i call him over and i'm like here take this and this and throw it like that and and basically you're not walking the dog with it you're chucking it out there and it's just skiing along the surface straight mm-hmm. that does two things um it it makes it so you you it's moving straight and any swirl or disturbance other than straight is a fish. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it tells you, okay, he, he just swiped at it and he's, he's curious time to kill it and, and let that rod load up. And as soon as he's moving, you, you jam him. Although it usually doesn't take much with that. Hit. Um, the other thing it does is you're moving it that fast. You get to cover a lot of laminar flow areas it's just the math of how many fish in a course of a day with a torpedo motor pushing you upstream at at 2.3 miles per hour and you're fan casting left right middle all day long and you're just you're just i mean it's you know it's it's uh it's it's just math like how many fish are you putting that in front of mm-hmm. the motor force feeds feeds you the water and you just left right middle left right middle so you're moving upstream and you're just you're covering everything right and if you got a buddy who's like 50 yards over that way and he starts slamming them go to him because you, you this time of year you you don't usually find one big fish. There's there's like four of them together. And you yeah. need to like, all right, left turn. Marty's got them. Let's go over there. So then you're covering an even bigger swath of it. But, you know, it's – laminar flow can be that spot where you're like, yes, I've identified it. Now I'm going to go in and take my little finesse jig and chuck it over there and sit and wait. Yeah, that's, that's not what you – you know, you can do that and it'll work and you'll catch fish that way. But if you can, you can power fish laminar flow. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're straining a lot of water. Um, 
and you'll find the ones that are they're in that sort of hey i'm i'm in this status of of conserving energy you can wake them up out of that with something flying over their head um mm. so <clears throat> yeah so it's more like a reaction response instead of a feed response i we had a uh, uh, torin who was who we went over like different responses and things he was a uh, uh uh, he was a biologist for West Virginia, maybe. Yeah, um, and he's talking. So now I always act like I know more than I do just because I listen to that show like every other week. But it just <laughs> sounds like if they're if they're con- conserving calories, we talked about that. They're conserving calories, and you're getting them basically when you like you just said you're snapping them out. It's it's more mostly you're just force feeding them a reaction strike because they're not wanting to do anything. But the second they see a seven inch jerk shad fifteen feet away, they get right right on it so that's awesome see i love how everything just lines up together sounds sounds like a good spot for throwing your big swim baits matt uh so the last three swim bait fish i've caught have been in now that i really know what it's called have been in laminar flows there has other well i take that back two last two my other one was in uh 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 current i threw it right in the current and he smashed it. he was just sitting there waiting for it um but yeah the last one's been laminar flows and it's been I throw it out there and I see nothing until I see either the reverse swirl or I see it, you know, start jetting over to it or I throw it in there and start working it back. And within, I don't know, 10 feet, it's right on top of it. So it was, I mean, just sitting there in that slow moving water. But you got to take the pulse of, all right, where are they today? And Mm -hmm. there, there are times where, you plow through all that laminar flow and nothing happens. And then you get to that ledge with that oxygenated turbulent water, or you get to the grass bed seams. Stop looking in the laminar flow. Just, just go from grass bed to grass bed, go to ledge rock to ledge rock, go hit those spots. Um, But generally laminar flow is, is where they go to chill where they're, they're, they're conserving energy and, covering a lot of water and fan casting is is my best advice that's probably why i'm struggling right now on the river like i've gone the last few trips i have no idea where they're at i haven't fished any of the laminar flow though or any of the push water do you carry um do do you film yourself every now and then i didn't the last couple times forget about producing content but film yourself and give yourself two half hour periods where you have a motor. Yep. Okay. Give your, just fish the, the first part of it, you know, for half an hour naturally. Right. And then put that motor on and just, just cast as many times, strain as much water as possible. Okay. And then pick you know, watch that, watch each of those half hours. And I want you to tally how many casts you get in, in, in half an hour, maybe half an hour is too much, but it needs to be a big enough data set for you to, to understand this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then tally the one where you're, you know, the one where you're fishing, how you normally fish. And then the one where you're, you're, you're using the motor to push you upstream and force feed and, and, and don't start it and stop it. Just put it on a, on a setting where you're moving upstream 
two and a half. I actually do 2.8 is a good speed moving upstream and just force feeds yourself water. And what you do is you don't I actually learn this from, from Russ Snyder's uh, filming him. He does it faster it, yeah. and it's his pre-fishing mode, right? But it's how he finds areas where they are and where they are not. And it helps him figure out patterns really, really quick. And he, he will do it with a buzz bait. He'll do it with a swim jig. He'll do it with all kinds of different fast moving baits in, you know, when it's, when it's low and clear and you just don't really know where they are and they're not, they're not in the aggressive spots where you're like, yeah, they should be there and should be there. You know, they're, they're, they're chilling somewhere and you gotta, but, but try that. I mean, I've done that in, in videos in a, I've there was one from earlier this summer. I'll see if I can find it, but um, it, where I really just did force feed myself, you know, water as much as as possible, and I quantified it. Um, I put the metrics in there, but it was it was you know some ridiculous, and I was using a jackhammer, but I it was some ridiculous number of casts per hour, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that's essentially like I'm I'm I don't know. It, this would be this will be a lot easier for me because I'm going to try this too to just cast and cover water and force feed water because I'm a power fisherman. Like when I finesse fish, it it's like pulling teeth. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to fish upstream with finesse. Next level power fishing. Hammer down, don't stop. Is Watch that the that one, one where I saw uh, Russ Snyder's just flying, casting the buzz bait, and he got hit as he was passing the eddy? I um, that was the, the first time I saw him doing it, and where yeah. I just said, "I gotta, I gotta," and and I'd done the kind of video where I count casts using the motor, uh, throwing a crankbait like years ago, but not on Russ Snyder's level. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but if you watch that, you'll you'll see. And like, you know, it, I will tell you, you got to pick your you got to pick your time of day to do that because you what you'll see in that video, the level of power fishing, you can't you can't keep it up all day. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't. Like, I think I did it for two hours, but I chose like the last two hours of the day to do it. Mm -hmm. Where I thought, hey, this is, you know, this is the right time to power fish. Now let's talk about that. When's the right time to power fish? When's the right time to finesse? All the times the right time to power fish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know. I I, I want to agree with you 100%, but I can't. Um, so here's a shortcut. Listen to birds. Okay. If the birds are noisy power fish if mm. everything's quiet slow down slow it down find some place to throw that finesse jig find that place to to throw ned rig or, or i use the the four inch scented jerk shad on that on that little um rigging bullets that that tiny little z-man hook there are times where you have to slow down in in the and i think it comes i think People that study the Salerner times and say, oh, 
the chart says it's today from 1.42 p.m. to 3.18. Okay. I bet you if if that's when the active, you know, with the moon and the sun and I don't know, I, I can't explain it all. But I know it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're out there during that period of time and you're listening, there are birds that are just active. If the mm-hmm. birds are active, so are the fish. Uh, and you should be power fishing. Now, are they not always active at dusk and dawn? Like, think about it. In the morning, the sun's coming up. All the birds are going, right? Yeah. In the evening, uh, I know on our river, on, on the Susquehanna, it's when all the uh, <clears throat> the the, uh, the swallows, the, the birds, that, the martins, the ones that go out and just like dive bomb the surface and eat the bugs as soon as they're coming off, like... Mm-hmm. They do that for the last 90 minutes of light mm-hmm. all summer long. Um, but there are times in the middle of the day where it's just like, and I think it can be related to if there's different things with the front coming in, mm-hmm. but there is also like the sun and the moon stuff going on. And, and I, I can't explain it, but the shortcut is listen to birds. <laughs> it's That's interesting. It's, the yeah, birds are noisy. You need to power fish. If if you're power fishing and you're like, I don't hear, I haven't heard a bird in five minutes, just put it down, man. Right, uh, stop, stop throwing your big ass swim bait and pick up the negative. <laughs> <laughs> Try it. We see what happens. We kind of did start paying attention to uh, birds recently, and actually, Matt has a cool little story about it. Uh, oh, it was the story that went off when we were doing that show with. Uh, uh... I don't remember. Uh, was it was it Brian? I don't know. You you were following along with the uh, the bird down the river. Yeah, so, fish. yeah. So it was it was uh, uh what the the fisherman bird? What's it called? Um, heron. I think yeah, it King was a heron fisher. or something. Kingfisher. That's what it was. It was a kingfisher, and I was just falling every time I would get close. He'd obviously move, but I would fish in that general area where he's at, and I would catch a fish, and then I would move with him fish the general area i kind of stay off them a little bit slower which i've and i've heard people say that before but i never really believed them uh and what what really got me was i was down where was i i was on a lake in north carolina i don't remember i was on leave with a buddy he's a tournament angler like he did some boat stuff and we were following birds and he was like yeah let's follow the birds and i was like we mean follow the birds he's like where birds go there's fish and he's like, you'll see them. They'll be active, and you follow the birds, and you can if we're having a rough on day. Lake Fork. Uh, I was there last summer. I did the Women's Fishing Federation. Like they have their mm-hmm. their weekend with all the seminars. I was one of their speakers. But you have time to fish in between, and uh, yeah, um, you know, I struggled out there. Uh, but I the the one bank that on one morning that I absolutely just whacked them. Um, there was the white egrets, which are like a smaller heron. Um, mm-hmm. I stopped and actually filmed it. I'm like, yeah, there's 14 of these birds on this particular bank. They're just looking at them. the water. Yeah. Well, there were bass out there just chewing on shad, and they were running up, and they were they were jumping up onto the bank, and the, they were eating. Um, it's, it's very much an important thing. Like birds are everything for the striper fishing. (laughs) Like people look for, 
other boats and those people suck and they look for birds. <laughs> um, the, the looking for other boats, like I can't tell you how many times I've been hooked up on a striper and I see a boat kind of zooming past and like either, either I open my bail and let them run or like dip my rod tip down in the water and start like messing with the depth finder. Like I'm not doubled over here. Like just yeah. keep moving dude. Cause like my kayak is quiet and your, your 28 foot judge is going to come over here and blah, 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 scatter all my fish. Leave me alone. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, birds, birds are important. I wanted to talk about uh, the transitions that they, these fish make when the river's low and when it, when it comes up. I think that's oh, yeah, an important thing that people, that people need to understand. And this was an illustration from a grass bed video I did earlier this summer. And I show uh, this is, this is the upstream side of it. The current's going this way when it's low, they get on the upstream side in this little, little pocket of water that kind of slows down upstream from the grass bed as it as the river comes up they get up at the head of the grass bed as it really gets high they move to the back of the grass bed and use it as a current break and if it's super high they you know they get down in this this area and in this protected water so mm -hmm. you know there's a there's a transition from you know upstream of objects to downstream from them but there's also i don't know if this this one shows it but you know if you if you have the two banks here um mm -hmm. and you have some ledges out here there'll be fish out in the middle in low current that as soon as the river comes up they they jump right up onto the bank that's another yeah, that's, transition that's like um, our river yeah, yeah. that's you know, we don't have grass beds here, so grass bed, whatever your your structure is. I just use that because yeah. that was that was available from a, a video I did earlier this summer. Um, once you figure out though that the river coming up provides feeding opportunities, it gets them active, mm -hmm. and then it puts them into predictable places. Uh, I think a lot of people get turned off and, and I know certain rivers fish better or worse when it, it comes up and is muddy on the, on the rise as the river is coming up though, there's always a period of time where they're going to hit everything and you need to be power fishing when that happens. Yep. Um, once it's up and muddy in, they're not going to be out in those mid river spots. They're going to be on the bank. You're going to be in places, and then it's just up to you to, to, you know, uh, maybe not throw the Ned rig. Maybe you throw mm -hmm. the black jackhammer with a big palmetto yep. bugs trailer, makes a lot of noise, big flappy appendages that, like, they just look up and da da da, da they're like, oh, I can see it. Uh, I will eat it. You know, you have to increase your bait's presence, whether it is its profile visually you know how, how big it is or how dark it is and then it's it's sound or vibration you have to increase mm -hmm. that uh and then scent if you're if you're going slow you gotta slather it up so they can find it so you're doing things to your bait as it gets muddier to to give the bait a bigger presence mm -hmm. for all of their sensory organs you know 
sight, sight yeah. set, vibration, lateral line, all of that stuff. You know, yeah, that's one of my favorite times to fish the river when it's coming oh, yeah. up like that. I, uh, me and Matt, I've taken him out on the river where we target nothing but grass lines on the edges of the river because yep. they they just bury themselves in that grass. You, you pull the jackhammer like parallel with that stuff, they come out and smash it. Yep. Oh, it's it's awesome. I mean, there's that day. Uh, well, I didn't have a great day after a certain point, but we caught all our fish off grass, and then that's when I caught that swim bait fish off grass, that 18 and a half, just throwing it parallel with the grass lines. And I it was stuck kind of behind where the bank kind of started getting a little wonky. I was running down parallel, and right when it hit to where it was, the fish was just sitting there ready to ambush it and just came right out and smacked it, and they were just pushed up in the grass. There's a couple of fish we saw swimming up in the grass, and it was mm-hmm. it was cool. Yep. Best time to fish. For sure. Yeah. But, it, you know, I, I'm going to go back to, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. I didn't get that. I just knew I ever got muddy. I can't catch the damn thing. Yeah, you know, it, it 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 just yep. it takes years to figure that out. Sometimes in uh, the the biggest eye opener for me was uh, I went out with Brooke Hoover, who's a jet boat guy, a jet boat mechanic in mechanic in uh, he's in Pennsylvania. Um, he works on a lot of the boats that run run the Susquehanna and the Upper Potomac. Um, but he tried explaining to me like like the best fishing that you will ever have is when that river's at flood stage. I'm like, you're nuts. And he's like, no, nah, man, it's it, you gotta understand it's it's crowding them all into like three places, and I know where those three places are. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, are you, you like, aren't you afraid of? He's like, afraid of what? Like the padding of all that water has buried anything you might run into except for say a bridge and you can see the bridge, right? Yeah. Okay. No, does you, you know, is it, is it dangerous? Yeah. If you don't know what you're doing, but I mean, I work on these boats. I know what I'm, I know how to position and you should come with me. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) He, he didn't tell me though, that the fish and boat commission uh, looks for him, looks for his trailer uh, when it's at flood stage <laughs> and they've told him before, Hey, we, you're, you're, even if you can't handle this brook, I don't, we don't want you out here because you're, you're inviting other people to come out and do the same. And, and like, yeah. we're going to revoke your, you know, something. If, if we catch you out here, like flood stage, you shouldn't be out here in flood stage. And, uh, so that's one of it's the best. And he, once we're out there, he's like, listen, um, I got this eddy that's like three quarter mile below, you know, if, if the fishing boat commission is there, I'm going to give you my keys. You're going to, you're going to run, run it to this other launch, you know? Okay. <laughs> that day of fishing was, was, was the most ridiculous, like, every cast caught a fish when we were in one of those, I say three places, we went more than three, but that, that, you know, you throw your, your hair jig into this completely muddy 38 degree water. And you could feel the, the eighth, eighth ounce ball head jig with the deer hair on it, just 
just like Plinko, like you remember on Prices Right, the yeah. Plinko chip comes. Yeah, you're doing that over fish's backs. It would never get to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, you That's might crazy. catch a carp, a walleye, um, a muskie. You were catching lots of smallmouth, and it, it was like you dropped it in there and it was just alive. Like that's, that's you were catching insane. fish because all they're doing, they're down there. You ever had goldfish? What do goldfish do all day long? They they go down to the bottom and they suck up the gravel and they spit it out and keep in whatever's food. That's all that smallmouth do when the river is is up. They huff huh. things in and feel, mm, is that food? No, <laughs> that's leaf. But this little thing, yeah, I'm holding on to that. That's what they yes. do. And you put I never knew they did that. With their fish, look at what goldfish do. Yeah, I just didn't think they would go. I mean, I, I don't know. I thought they would use. Okay, they can't see very well, so now they're using their other, you know, senses. their laterals and senses yeah. and stuff like yeah. that to go to find fish swimming or like crawls crawling around the bottom. I didn't know they just went to the bottom just started huffing. Yeah. Their... So the the other thing is their their lateral line. People think of their lateral line as like, hey, here's the fish. It runs along their length right in the middle, right? That's what we mm-hmm. think a lateral line is. But also on the on the their head, in between, there's an eye here and an eye on the other side. Across the top of it, y'all were talking football at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Think of a the grid of a football face mask across the top of their head like this. They got lateral line in this lattice that like they pointed at the bottom and it feels – close range what it's going on so if you ever see a fish you know there's a little crayfish on the bottom and they come over and they go they go yes yeah why are they doing why are they cocking on it why i I always thought yeah i always thought they were putting it in the range of their lateral line to be like i'm i'm looking at this with my lateral line i'm waiting for feel those a two antenna go like this and just say yeah that's what I want. And then they go, that's interesting. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool. Like ta- so tactical bassin, they, uh, I, Brad knows my feel. Some other people know my feel. I love the, <laughs> I love the show, but at the beginning, Matt Allen, I love the dude to death. He's, he's so knowledgeable, but the, his interests annoy me, but they'll do their underwater videos on like crawl baits and, uh, stuff like that. And you'll see the fish, it'll swim up. And I love it. Cause you'll see him swim up and it just, immediately turns up and i just in my head i was like that's just the meanest thing that crawfish has ever seen in its life <laughs> it's just a, a small mouth or a large yeah. mouth come out of nowhere and just tilt up on it like i'm about to just i always thought they were doing it to get above the defenses a little bit more so they can just cock right down on top of it but yeah, it is the lateral line on the top that's, of their head. that's, that's and, cool and they're designed to to feed in front and a little bit up so they're actually designed for top water for coming up and getting underneath something yeah why if it's a fish if this is a fish really should be pointed the other way but they come up in their blind spot which is underneath them and then they won't see it coming if it's a fish they they underneath them and then they and behind so that's just how they're they've evolved to eat that's interesting here yeah that's here. awesome it's also like because they have eye. their their eyes on the side of their head yep. and 
there's it, it, we have our eyes on the front of our head so we have a lot of 3d vision out out here yep they mm -hmm. don't they see a lot of 2d vision this way except for there's this little pie wedge where both eyes you know are looking at the same thing they got this tiny little pie wedge of 3d vision in the same place that their lateral line is so they see 3d vision lateral line they're up close and they're smelling it that's why that's another reason they just go whoop it's so, like the third eye <laughs> it's three senses. i mean yeah it's i mean it's i mean that's 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 insane I, the I've been fishing for a while. I mean, By the way, if you ever get a copy of Knowing Bass, that's how I learned all this stuff. You, you're probably going to pay 300 bucks to find a copy on eBay. Somewhere <laughs> out there, Chuck Earls actually told me he, he found a link to someone that actually put um, put a PDF of that whole book up online somewhere. Huh. Not a print, but it's Keith A. Jones, Dr. Keith Jones, and... $251.89. You know yes. you're going to buy it. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, I I mean, I, I pushed myself to buy uh, the small mouth, everything small mouth for $71 on eBay. But that book, I've read it. And just like old Shranko would say, I have so many notes in the margins and whatnot. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, oh, here it is. I found it. Free PDF. Westernbass.com. What's the book called? Knowing bass. Oh so no! It says I can't. Uh, the fish. It got blocked. Huh? It got blocked. The PDF Google blocked the PDF. Yeah. Man. It's it's um. It just needs to be reprinted. It's stupid that it's out of print. Yeah. It's it's one of the most talked about books in in all of bass fishing, and it's. And I bought it three different times, <laughs> lent it out three different times, and three different times it didn't come back. <laughs> oh. But guys, I'm telling you, I've I've read it enough times, cover to cover. Yeah. Like just like I I know at least once it was a it was a Sunday. I picked it up and I said it was probably the second time I I went through it. And it was Sunday morning, and I picked it up, and I said, I'm going to read another chapter. And 11 p.m. that day, I had not moved. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like, I got up to eat and pee and yeah. stuff. But, like, I I really just – it's – and I've never done that. Like, yeah, yeah. I have a college – I have a degree in dietetics, and, and I, I don't usually read for fun. I read for knowledge, and, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I did pretty good in college, and I, I can read. But, like, for me to just plow through something like that, it was it was enjoyment. <laughs> it was enjoyment. It was yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm um, Matt, look around behind you. What do you got back there? Bates? Get a couple rods there. Rods? Yeah. Yeah. These are all these these are the out of commission just in case I get ticked and break a rod. Rod. <laughs> okay. Say I've what, got... what what else you got there? You got some stuff on peg racks? Yeah, I got these are just these. I don't know. These are just baits that are up here. Some robo worms. I got some my shads, all my okay. extra shads, my pro crawl crawls. So what's right in front of you? 
if you were to sell it all on eBay, would you have enough for the book? <laughs> oh, I, 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 Brad can attest book, to this. I'm telling you, the book has the knowledge that is going to make you way better angler than whatever's in front of you. Uh, uh, Jeff, if Brad knows if, if I decided to sell it all on eBay, I could buy all of us a couple copies of the book. Okay. <laughs> I have he a has problem. a whole tackle shop so in I, his basement. <laughs> I make the same argument when people see me, you know, with uh, St. Croix Legend Extreme or, or an NRX Plus, and they're like, you're nuts. Mm. You're fishing with $600 rods. You are insane. Yeah. And and uh, by the way, I've switched to like I don't know if you see, but it's bats and enterprises. I'm making my oh, yeah. rain shadows. Yeah, yeah. in like <laughs> it's right in there with those those two rods. They're uh, you know um, they're high end stuff that that I'm yeah. I'm building myself again. I got back into the, but the argument I always make is how many rods do you have? right how many how many 200 to 300 dollar rods do you have how many because oh you're actually asking yeah i'll ask anybody someone who's yeah. who's who's watching this you know Sticks. turn around and sell you know sell two or three of them on ebay and get that one really good jig rod because that one really jig rod when the water is cold and the bite is tough and you get that one little, you're not even going to get the little pop. You won't get that. You'll just get where you're holding. You're like, it feels, I, I got to sit. Oh, oh my God. How long yeah. have you been holding that? That moment makes selling. Yeah. I, I, I only use those rods sometimes. They're great rods. I don't want to sell. No, sell three of them and get one really top level one. Uh mm it's it's worth it it's worth it yeah and, and I, when you get to that level of rod the the warranties on them or you, you'll be all right yeah yeah I, was about, you, I mean i i tell everyone that just knowing like i've been the douglas rods me and bradfish i i mean they're 200 to 300 rods and i've used extremes they're not as good as extreme but they're really sensitive rods for that but people would ask and i use like my mega bash rods and then some of my inner or nrs my nrx rods and i had i've had extremes they'd be like hey you spent so much money on a rod and i was like yeah but i mean like my my extreme when i had it before i sold it is a lot I, I got warranties for days i don't care if i break it and st Croix will just send me another one it doesn't yeah. bother me and they're quick about it they're, it's the best warranty system i've ever used other than maybe douglas they're just as good so they're the same warranty systems but they'll send you the rod quicker and it's not if i break it i don't care and i can feel you know people throw a jig and be like oh yeah it's a rocky bottom and they're feeling the big rocks and i'll be like i'll throw a jig out and be like it pebbles you feel everything you just feel yeah. everything yeah it's worth it i mean it's it's if you could have three really really good rods so the other thing that you, you, you can do is to find a good good custom rod builder and you're you actually if you if you work with the right one you're gonna find um someone that can make your money go further and and make it so you can afford the equivalent of a six hundred dollar rod and you're you're not gonna pay six hundred dollars yeah know? right um you gotta find the right one though like if if 
you know, if there's someone that is talking you into the equivalent of a $300 rod, keep moving. You need to, you need to find someone who's like, I will get you the lightest um, guides possible. I will get you the most, and, and everyone's going to say the most sensitive blank, but you know, it's, the the custom deal is cool because you can you can end up with a rod that you couldn't have afforded anyways you know it it is that higher end but you can also have it custom to what you like and i know kayak anglers i'm you know i like the shorter butt Mm -hmm. because the the butt of it rubs on your pfd and you know can be can give you that false false bite where it rubs on it you think oh there's one (laughs) yeah yeah it's I need so to get a shorter. I need to get a shorter butt rod for my fluke, for that reason. I have chopped um, regular rods, and just in um, it's it's harder with the split grip. But if it's if it's all cork going down, it's pretty easy to to chop them, and you can just do it with with epoxy, um, just a hacksaw and epoxy. Cut the cut the butt off and it's it's not that tough to do so does that mess with the balance um sure <laughs> it just don't matter or are you putting something on the bottom i'm, I'm usually happy with my rod tip low anyways okay um if 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 i have to keep the rod tip up to like not catch in the current because i've cast it over current to a to an eddy over there usually it's a light enough rod anyways that like to hold it there instead of there isn't killing me yeah yeah it's interesting oh man i can't find this book anywhere i'm annoyed <laughs> he you're you're gonna spend the money on it i guarantee it. i promise i won't no <laughs> stacy will castrate me if i spend that much money listen, on a book listen it's two of you yeah split the cost there we go <laughs> I, sure Okay, I can I can float that. Yeah. Well, let's see. But uh has it back and forth. Yeah. Brad does or I don't know. You you could like totally pluck out and actually find a copy in a library somewhere. Well, I just checked my local library and it's down, but um I don't think anyone around me really knows how to read anyway. So I'm just gonna go and see if it's in there. Try it. (laughs) that'd be i i'm gonna like commit a felony though because i'm not gonna give the book back <laughs> no don't do that there's other people i'm joking just photocopy every page yeah i was about to just, say i'll go my work just pays the, for the paper do like the sunday i had and you know lock yeah. yourself in a dark room and <laughs> just whoosh, just totally just absorb it in a day yeah, yeah. but I mean, we've covered a lot. Brad, know, you have it was, it left? was packed. It was a good episode. I, I the last couple of episodes have been long, but they've been so good. It's been great. Oh, I love this stuff. Uh, I've got nothing else. We've covered pretty much everything. Brad, you got anything? Nope. We're good. Jeff, let them know. I know you said it earlier in the show, but let them know where they can find you, things like that, where they can get some more info. So the YouTube channel is the little stuff. I know last year I produced 222 different videos. I don't know what my count is this year, but um, I, I, I work um, I work really hard at it, and it's closing in on 9,000 subscribers. Um, the way the algorithm works, uh, 
the really good how-to stuff isn't always rewarded. Mm -hmm. I've gotten where I don't care because I know that the people that are watching it are deriving a benefit um, and they show gratitude. They're like, this is like, I'm, I'm becoming a better angler mm -hmm. every time I watch something you put out. And uh, that's, that's the reward. Um, I, I would say if you go to the little stuff, dig into the different playlists. If you're going to rig a kayak, there's kayaks and kayak rigging playlist with a lot of stuff on there. Uh, if you're going to set up a, a motor on your kayak, like the Torquedo install, like I'm always adding stuff to that. Um, there's a tidal largemouth playlist. There's a striped bass playlist. There's a walleye playlist. There's a offshore kayak fishing, redfish, catfish, trout. Uh, there's tackle crafting. There's a whole lot of stuff on, you know, pouring your own lead or, or, you know, tying jigs and, and that kind of stuff. There's a rod, custom rod build playlist. Um, but the biggest playlist of all is smallmouth. That's awesome. In the easiest way to, to digest that in a timely manner that gives you patterns that are about to happen. I mentioned it earlier. Go to the September playlist. Look for some, some stuff there. Now it's going to be mixed in with like, I don't know. You're going to see a, um, a redfish video down in South Carolina with Matthew Brannon because mm -hmm. that was that month. You're going to see a, you know, a striped bass video of me up in New England, up in, you know, north of Boston with with Mike Baker, you know, fishing at night for for big, you know, 45 plus inch striper. But you'll find your river smallmouth stuff mixed in there by the month. Um, I will tell you the best videos that i make on river smallmouth by month or once it's cold huh. it's it's if you're and i know this from from when i guided in in you know i taught my classes and i would stop at the end of october but there would be certain you know certain clients that i liked that said, hey, I want to, I want to learn this stuff in the winter. Uh, when you get good at catching them in the winter, you achieve a, a big jump in the next year. Uh, you, you get this plateau, you know, you, you are here and then you, you, you grind and figure out winter fishing and the whole next year, you're catching 20s at a rate you had never done before, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it took me a while to figure out, am I just, you know, especially if I could teach them and, and give them a little bit of traction to, to like, yes, you can be out there in January and it works. And I can catch, you know, three fish in a day and they're all 19 inches or better. And God, that was the best day ever. You know, yep. Yep. Um, once you get that, you, I used to think it was the mechanics. I'm like, I'm just teaching them jig fishing better. I'm teaching them suspending jerkbait fishing better. It took me a while to figure it out. It's not anything with the mechanics of fishing. It's mental. It's yeah. the mental game. Yeah. You're doing the heavy lifting and developing those, 
those muscles of positive mental attitude, focus, pushing down that nagging doubt, all of these things that are, that are, that honestly, the people that are really good at, um, at winning all these tournaments, they control this more than they control anything that's out there. And when you're good, when you're really good at catching them in the winter, and even if you're not good, you go out there and you suck at it, but you keep sucking at it all winter. And eventually you'll, you'll start to, to figure some things out. It helps if you go with someone who's already done it and they can, they can give you that little bit of traction. Um, you get the confidence, you get the focus, you get the positive mental attitude, you get the visualization, you get, you know, all of these things that are, that are, that are here. And that's the big jump you get uh, the next year that makes you a better angler year round. Um, so there's a lot of higher level stuff that I talk about in the, in the winter, uh, the winter videos that, that will help you. Um, you know, I, I think I get a chance to slow down a little bit more in my winter videos. And I don't know, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm more proud of it. You know, this, the content that's up there, uh, November through, through March than I am the rest of the year for whatever reason. I think it's more valuable. Yeah. More rewarding catching fish in the cold. I think I don't know what it is. Yeah. There's a psychological, um, it's a, it's a higher high. Yeah. I I would contend though, if you look at like the brain scan of like, uh, a totally addicted, um, angler or heroin addict and then the you know total you have a gambling person that just gambles and just when they hit it big they've they've won a lot of money or if they're the heroin addict and they they jam a needle in their arm and you know the 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 angler brain is the same thing and in our our whatever lights up in there is Mm -hmm. is when we feel that dunk and and the winter fishing is like good stuff like yes yeah you just went five and a half hours without a bite and what you got was a dunk and you leaned on it and you're like yeah yeah (laughs) it's it's that walter white blue stuff you know what i mean it warms you up real fast it does it it, and i agree with brad it's way more rewarding it's like you went out there you're either cold or like, I mean, we, we all have dry suits. So, I mean, I'm relatively warm when I go out now, but you're still like, my face is cold. My hands are cold. I've got 14 treble hooks stuck in my gloves halfway through the day. <laughs> and, then, and then I like, I'm throwing a jerk bait or something and I'm just real slow cadence. And then I just feel a whop and you sit on it. And then it's immediately my face reds up. My hands feel great. Yep. I don't care that I get a hook in my hand again for like two hours. Like it's just like, oh, it's fine. It's whatever. I caught a fish. I don't care. Yeah. Like it's just, it's way better. It's yeah. just, it's, it erases everything. But like, I don't know. I'm stuck in permanent winter mode, I guess. Cause like I could have the worst day possible. Brad's seen it. I've had the worst day ever. And then I catch like a 17. It's, I don't care. I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I'm, ha- I'm happy for days. Right. Like I, oh, angling's the best drug on earth. For sure. <laughs> it's just the as other, expensive as all the other ones, too. The other place that folks can follow me besides the Little Stuff YouTube channel, um, on Facebook, you can follow the Little Stuff. But on Instagram, I actually have a much bigger following on Instagram than I do on um, on the YouTube channel. 
Uh, and it's just Jeff Little kayak fishing. And I try to teach a good bit through there, but I think that format is much more about entertain than it is teach. And mm -hmm. uh, I prefer the long format it's for whatever reason, I'm better at the short in terms of, of reaching a lot of people. Um, but man, I like to, I like to make a 45 minute long video and give you everything I got on it. And, you know, I, I have this relationship with, with my subscribers that I, I, I put the, some of the best stuff at the end and I don't know why I don't purposefully do it, but like mm -hmm. when I can pull it all together and say, this is what you need to get, uh, get out of this. Um, it's, it's my three percenters. I refer to them as my three percenter because I watched the, uh, the, the metrics, the audience retention graph on one video in particular. And I was just so proud of the video and I was so distraught when I saw that only 3% made it to the end. And, uh, but then I thought about those 3% and those are the people that are making the comments. Like, yep. I just, I caught a, you know, a 21 and three quarter incher last week on the concept you taught me two weeks ago. Thank you. And, mm -hmm. and I know that that's the value, you know, mm -hmm. but there's short, short format people that that just only follow me on on instagram they don't get that they just say wow that guy's always catching big small that's cool i like that yeah, yeah. let me share that yeah okay you don't you want to do it watch the long format stuff yeah you can do it yeah it is definitely a good uh channel to subscribe to i'm subscribed oh, for myself sure. so yep guys go check that out we'll put that in the uh show notes here as well we'll tag your uh, account and everything you, so people yeah, can YouTube follow everything. So, appreciate dope. it well everyone thanks for making it to the end another week down another week moving on make sure you get out and fish don't stop yep next week we got Drew Greg we're going to be talking about the kayak adventure series so yep make um, sure to be on the lookout for that one I get to film him soon I get to film his competition on the Susquehanna that's all. Awesome. Oh, let's go. That's gonna be mm -hmm. sick. That's, <laughs> That's cool. Sick. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Say thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.